0: I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto.
1: The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not
0: constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David. This is your new episode of BaseLayer. Really excited about this, folks. I have John Woods, the Chief Technology Officer from Algorand with me today. John, how are you?
1: Good. Thanks for the opportunity to speak with you.
0: I'm really looking forward to this. Algorand has been in the ecosystem for quite some time. Actually, you know, many years ago, we actually had Silvio McCallie uh, on the show, and Silvio is the, the chief genius, the architect, uh, someone who's been in cryptography probably for the better part of 30 plus years. Uh, and he is an integral part of Algorand and what they've been doing there. Algorand is going through a pretty significant change, in my opinion, from where they were to where they're going today. There's going to be a lot of things we're talking about, a lot of improvements that have been made for 2024 and beyond. But before mm-hmm. we get in too far into anyway, John, what we always like to do is just a little bit about you know the folks that come on the show. What did you before this, and what inspired you to join Algorand?
1: Sure. So, um, yes, yeah, Silvio is uh, he's incredible, and as you mentioned, he is the OG of cryptography. He was one of the uh, the co-inventors of things like verifiable random functions zero knowledge proofs you know the fundamental atomic structure of cryptography he, he's contr- contributed to and so and within, within algorand we use some of those uh, primitives uh, to achieve consensus and other things yeah as you mentioned i'm john i'm the cto of the foundation so my job is to lead out tech for the algorand foundation and um, who's who, in, in turn whose job is to uh, foster adoption of algorand and ecosystem support projects educate folks now to use it and just generally see Uh, the layer one thrive and be successful and be interoperable with other with other interesting uh, projects and just my background as to how i got this role uh, i i guess notably in terms of the crypto jobs i've had i was the chief architect on cardano i led architecture and engineering on cardano uh for charles hoskinson uh, prior just prior to this i also worked at consensus where i I was responsible for um i was the lead architect in professional services kind of globally i led uh, applied cryptography and professional services there building enterprise great apps with ethereum back around 2017 2018 and other than that i've had roles where i've done security engineering and use mm-hmm. cryptography kind of more normal work i guess uh so background is really software engineering but i spent a little bit of time as well in uh in forex i, work, I was a forex trader for a while i worked in foreign exchange derivatives and so kind of span both worlds in fin uh, finance and tech but yeah i feel very lucky to be in a position where i work with such wonderful uh, and very capable people amazing so
0: as i said we have a lot to kind of go into, in 2024, Al Grant has laid out, I think what they're calling the Queen's Gambit. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of improvements being made here. So we're going to try to get into all of this and try to get in and out and hopefully smarter. And again, we always like to make sure that everyone has everything that they can possibly get in terms of links and information. But we're going to start with this. So on January 17th, just a few days ago, Algorand announced that block creation times on the layer one blockchain have been cut by roughly 20% after a newly implemented protocol update with average block times now averaging below three seconds. So I believe this is called dynamic lambda or dynamic round times. And again, for... What's happening here? Builders, you know, those that are using uh, Algorand as a as a starting point, builders will benefit from the flexibility of dynamic round times as it enhances the efficiency and scalability of the network. Mm -hmm. And for the users, me and everyone who's listening right now, the users will experience quicker confirmations at a point of sale speed, which they're familiar with, creating a seamless and timely interaction with the blockchain again for those that have been around for a while you know you kind of send a transaction your heart starts to beat a little bit you wonder you know did i send right to a wrong address um or if you're trying to buy something or do anything on blockchain for the last few years there's always been that pause and we're not used to the pause we're used to here's my phone here's a point of sale system let me click it i'm done i'm good i'm walking out the door that has not always been the case in blockchains so please go into more detail about you know these any of this new improvement, this implication of how this is going to change the user experience, from your point of view, and then as I said again, we're going to talk about a lot of other different things. You know, going deeper into things like Algo Kit, um, mm-hmm. and for those that are very familiar, we're also going to talk about obviously transitioning to a higher portion of relays to non archival status. For those that are Algorand you know, believers, I've done my homework. I'm ready with John here, but let's talk about
1: this. Sounds great. And by the way, you know, I I know you've got a very popular uh, show and I'm sure there's folks who are very, very basic technically, um, who don't have much technical experience, but are in in it for the finance or in it for the the trading. I'm sure there's folks who are software engineers and super geeks listen to this. And so I'll try to cut it somewhere down the middle so it makes sense uh, to to, to everyone. And, you know, I think if you look at what we're doing broadly and all the things we're going to talk about today, the whole roadmap, it cuts across a number of different themes. Okay. We're trying to make improvements on a number of fronts, but generally... They, they distill to making the user experience better, you know, faster, more seamless, uh, I guess, more comfortable for the user so they don't have to think as much, improving the general speed. And then finally, I think that the third kind of tent pole is really developer experience. So making it so that it's easier to build on these platforms. But we can go we can go through. Um, so, yeah, starting with dynamic lambda, uh, as you kind of read out our statement there, improvement in the block time. It also in- ensures that, that, that transactions are confirmed faster, but let's, let's talk about you know essentially what does that mean? Well, in general, the reason why, as you said yourself, you post a transaction and you usually have that big wait period is because um, unlike traditional point of sale systems where you tap your phone or you tap your, your, your card, blockchain is decentralized and with decentralization comes, I guess, generally speaking, uh, a, slower, a slower confirmation time than traditional Visa systems. Why is that? Of course, it's because we need to make sure that uh, the veracity of the transaction is propagated across this huge spider web of network and, and so that all of the constituents of the network can come and vote uh, or, or agree that the transaction was valid, whether that's mining in Bitcoin that does that process or staking in Ethereum and, and Algorand uh, or some other mechanism. And so we call this mechanism of agreement on a transaction's validity in blockchain networks. We call it usually consensus. And so. Algorand has a pretty nifty consensus algorithm. And so, you know, under the hood, the reason why Bitcoin maybe takes 10 minutes to confirm a, tra- a block is because it's wearing away, you know, running running 2 uh, uh, over and over, um, mm-hmm. trying to hit a certain target. And so, you know, that's a lot of crypto mumbo-jumbo, but what it essentially means is that there's a lot of work to be done and it's kind of, it's probabilistic. It's like roughly every 10 minutes or so, the system... Uh, will 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 we'll, someone will find a solution in the system? Right. With proof of stake networks like Algorand, Cardano, and now Ethereum, it's a little bit more efficient than that, and so they generally have shorter block times. So usually, you basically have uh, you know transaction finality. So you got a You got the blockchain, which which is essentially the list of all the confirmed transactions, and then you have what are kind of. Transactions in a staging, i.e. someone who's trying to spend and is waiting for a confirmation on the transaction. So someone who's in the store waiting for uh, the terminal to kind of show approved. Yep. And so transactions that are in that status, they need to be added to a block. And therefore, generally speaking, the faster new blocks kind of appear to ship those uh, you know, staging transactions into and confirm them, uh, the faster the user experience is for the spender. On Algorand, we have industry-leading block times up. So they were at about three and a half seconds. They're now just above about two and a half seconds. And that's why we say, you know, uh, it's going to give you an experience that is close to that traditional uh, point of sale experience. Because when you're in a store, certainly in Ireland, when when, you, when I tap my iPhone to pay, it takes about two, two and a half seconds for, for the, the approved to come up so I can, I can walk away with with the groceries. I think critically as well, what algorand has managed to achieve using its consensus mechanism, uh, which is called pure proof of stake. Which leverages some of the groovy mathematics and cryptography that our founder Silvio had, had invented during his, his tenure as, as a as a, a professor of cryptography. Um, it allows us to achieve fast block times, sure, but lots of blockchains have that. Solana um, has that. Uh, you know, uh, many blockchains have quite fast block times. But critically, the in addition to being a fast block time, it's also final within a single block. And what this means is that when you are using Algorand. When a transaction gets into a block, it's uh-huh. done. Now, I, I think a lot of people will say, well, that's pretty much what I was told blockchain was. You know, it's immutable. The blocks can't be, can't be messed, or messed around. They can't be reordered. And you're right. That is what we say blockchain is. We say blockchain is immutable. But um, under the hood, if you look a bit closer, you'll find that a lot of blockchains, they can sometimes have this minor split in consensus where there's kind of two competing heads, uh, like a, you know, a two-headed snake where both, both, there's kind of the blockchain splits into two. And this resolves within a couple of a couple of minutes. It's not a huge deal, right? Uh, but Algorand, just by the design of the consensus mechanism, that doesn't happen. And so, um, so it has this uh, instant finality. As soon as it's in a block, it's final. And then these these blocks come along around every two and a half seconds. And so, how did we achieve this 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 kind of uh, speed up, up increase? And the answer in a sh- in, in a short sentence: Dynamic Lambda is essentially a change to the consensus mechanism, where we kind of. Usually, we have to hang around for people to vote on what's a valid transaction. And what we basically said is, hey, we're going to kind of disregard the last slowest 5% of the network because we feel like it's not worth hanging around for them. And it turns out by just slicing off the slowest 5%, we can increase uh, the block times quite dramatically by up to 20%. And so that's the innovation. And we think uh, it should, well, it quite literally yields faster block times, faster confirmations, and therefore a slightly better user experience. That's amazing. And... That's a
0: masterclass on how to explain it. I usually have to try to explain it to people (laughs) and uh, you're doing my job for me. So this is fantastic. All right. So the next big part of this is in terms of languages. I've said this for years, you know, one of the big issues uh, with adoption from the the developer community, now we need the developers out there to obviously build cool stuff that we all want to use. But a big problem is that you know the majority of developers out there are either using JavaScript or Python, C, some of the other more legacy languages out there. And mm-hmm. for the while, in the last few years, we have forced the developer community to learn new languages like Solidity and Rust and others out there. And so, mm-hmm. as you alluded to in the Queen's Gambit, again, I love that. Gone are the days when blockchains required developers to learn specialized languages. Now developers can use one of the most popular programming languages in the world, Python, to build on Algorand. I think this is huge, by the way. Um, as someone who's, Redo. Redo. Time, Redo. yeah, yeah, so, as someone who spent time you know learning Python. I think if I can actually now build something, that's I might actually have to spend some time doing that this year. Python in its true native form will open up new possibilities and expand the reach of algorithm blockchain technology like never before. So I want you to talk about that. But then I also you know there's another big part of that is what's called Algo Kit, uh, which mm-hmm. is effectively a just you know a, a, a grouping of tools for the developer out there saying, hey, you can build on Algorand. It's pretty easy. Here's everything you need. Here's APIs, here's SDKs. Again, you can use Python and go and build
1: something cool. So talk to yep. us about how important this is. So I, I deeply agree with you. Uh, the, I think of these blockchains, I didn't always think this way, but over time working in the industry, I, 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 I got to a point where these blockchains in my head, they're like operating systems. They're, you know, Obviously, they're inherently different to Windows and macOS and Linux, but they run apps. And so you've got to treat them like operating systems. Why is, why is Windows so popular? Why is the iPhone so popular? Uh, why is Android so popular? Answer is you've already said. There's tons of apps on these devices, and they help you get work done or they get, get interesting things done. And so, as you also said, we're not going to see loads and loads of people unless we give them cool things to do. And so for me, it was like, you know, we, I looked at Algorand. You know, very academically beautiful uh, from an engineering point, distributed systems engineering point. Yeah, cool. I mean, checks all the boxes. Looks very sexy on a whiteboard. But you got to make it easy to use, and that's not just at the wallet level for the for the for the retail user or whoever you want you want to call that user who's just interacting with it on a day to day. That's also for the other customers we have and their developers because they are customers of this of this network or this platform. And so, you know. Looked at the state of, of play when you know a year and a half ago, and we had Teal, which is a very low level uh, esoteric I, I would I would say uh, programming language that allows you to instruct the Algorand CPU to do things. Right, you're instructing the the compute the algorithm computer to do things. Sure, it works, uh, but you know it, you're going to lose probably eighty percent of the people who come to the platform if they see Teal and then they spend five minutes and it's not easy. Right. So it was like, look. What are the cool languages out there that like kids love to use when they're learning at like, you know, 15 years old that colleges use or universities use that, you know, derivatives houses, quant houses use when they're when they're when they're teaching, uh, you know, when they're trying to model something quickly answer. It's like, sure, TypeScript, it's Python, it's, it's, it's languages that have incredibly rich tool chains like Rust, where you have a, you know, you want to install something to do Black Shoals for your derivatives, cargo install Black Shoals, you know, you want to install a crypto library pip install crypto, and you just get to pull down these packages and stand on the shoulders of like thousands of hours of work. And so that's where we need to be. Now, of course, blockchain is a little bit different, of course, to regular software development, but we need to be emulating it. And so Algokit is that command line tool that like, just like Git, just like pip, just like uh, Cargo, just like any of these command line tools that are that are used, Swift. Uh, it's a tool that helps you build, your, 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 compile your app, test your app and deploy your app onto testnet or mainnet in in like single commands, right. it's a tool that helps you get testnet in Algo, so you can just like test your app. It's a tool that helps you, um, uh, you know, instantiate a folder structure so that your project. So you go my new project, and it just goes builds all the the folders and puts things in the right place. It just makes life easier, and mm-hmm. um, it does a lot more than that. But that's kind of like essentially what Alvegate is, and so right. it needed to be paired with a language. In the first release, we had no choice but to pair it with Teal, this existing language that I'm not very, uh, I'm not a huge fan. of. It has its place as an assembly, low level thing sometimes but not a day-to-day language. And so we looked at, at the, the spectrum of languages out there and we, we thought, well, no matter what we pick, there's work to be done here because we have to write a compiler that goes from Python or whatever we chose, kind of true optimization stages where you take that source code and you, you kind of compile it down and it has to be brought down to the ones and zeros that can run on Algorand. And so we built this pipeline that can take Python and bring it down. And we're incredibly proud of it because now people can go out there they can express their business intent or the intent of the application that they're building, right? The, the mm-hmm. fun part in a language that's not alien. Right. And, and critically, if you're a startup, now you're hi- hiring a couple of junior Java or sorry, a couple of junior uh, Python developers, and it's going to reduce go-to-market costs, reduce maintenance costs. That's right. You're not hiring some. Every time you know you got to hire a solidity developer, you just throw 50k on the bill. And so uh, we're t- I'm trying to kind of think with a business hat on, with a, with a products hat on, make it easy for startups to build on this platform uh, and make it fun. And so. Mm-hmm. I think bringing Python is probably one of the most important things we've done for the developer user experience uh, to date. Yep. And, you know, I, you know, I'm looking at Electric Capital's developer report,
0: obviously, you know, sure. seeing kind of how those that have tried to make it easier, you know, exactly with AlcoKit, it does have results, folks. And so, again, this is important because, as, you know, as John just said, the more developers you welcome into the ecosystem, as easy it is for them to go to market and build these things, you start to, you know, again, everyone's looking for that app to bring in a million,
1: 10 million, or 100 million people. And yeah, the and easier it is. Totally. And and also, where this might be big business or, or uh, governments or other things, we need to make it easy for those guys too. I mean, sure, yep. they'll figure it out. We need to make it easy. And, um, yeah, I I just feel that it's, it's the... It takes a while to turn this ship, you know, and so just because you have this, these kind of like uh, this language and this this tooling, it it takes a few months for people to kind of recognize and and come, and then it takes them a few months to build their apps. Yeah. Um. And so the if you look at the electric capital report, I think sometimes we don't look as favorable on it, but but there's a reason for that. Number one, uh, we've just released this stuff, and so it's only it's starting to take shape. And number two. they, they have, you know, electric capital, kind of index, uh, they index kind of different repositories of, of, of code. And so uh, slowly as they index more of ours, we, we I think we, it'll start to show how impactful this changes.
0: Yeah, I was going to offer you a bet, you know, by the end of, you know, by the beginning of next year, I'll I'll come to Ireland, I'll have a pilot, you know, and I, I guarantee, I guarantee that number is going to change, you know, because again, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to open the, you know, proverbial floodgates. It's going to make it a hell of a lot easier for people to, you know, build on it, so. I, I hope so. I, you, you can have the recording. There is a bed in place. <laughs> uh, so, a few things I also wanted to talk on too. So, a lot of the L1s and L2s have also had a you know hyper focus on being clean and green. Uh, you know, a part of you know the kind of the contrarian view on blockchains is that it's been you know terrible for the environment. You know, people have obviously been out there and said that Bitcoin is you know highly energy combustive and carbon uh, productive. And so one of the things I noticed is that there is now a transition uh, of a higher portion of the relays to a non-archival status. And so I believe this kind of implies that the transport of packets information data on Algorand is now less energy intensive. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think it's an interesting one, uh, David. What what are layer one blockchains? There are a bunch of computers all over the world talking to each other all with the same copy of the blockchain, running an algorithm, a consensus algorithm to keep in the same state. And so it's just a bunch of computers making sure that everyone's on the same page. That's all blo- these blockchains are. Yeah. Under the hood, of course, lots of crypto, lots of exotic uh, engineering, but, but that's essentially what they are. And so what is the energy use of a blockchain network? Answer, of course, is how much energy all those computers, whether they are uh, mining, you know, uh, validating transactions, transporting transactions, holding transactions. It's the energy use of all those computers. And so on Bitcoin, as you just as you quite correctly pointed out, it has a relatively high uh, energy use because the computers are executing a computationally burdensome process in, in mining. I, I actually personally, I don't vilify it as much maybe as others do. I think uh, proof of work has its merits. Uh, I think it's it's an interesting uh, algorithm. It's certainly not as efficient as the next generation, if you call them that, uh, proof of stake networks, Algorand being, being one of them. So Algorand was already super, super green. and so. As a kind of back of the napkin math, what I do is I sit down on kind of how many nodes have we got, how many relays have we got, although we're getting rid of relays soon and they're less important, but take those things, add the specs up that we say those those computers have to be, how much power do those types of computers use, you get a, an answer in, in kilowatts. And so uh, Algorand is currently using about 80 kilowatts of instantaneous power. And so at home, you might have a, a kettle to, to to make a cup of tea, that's going to use three kilowatts, right? So if you're charging your Tesla on the street, you're probably using, you know, somewhere between 50 and 100 kilowatts. So Algorand's going kind of sucking the same level of juice as a Tesla, that, a Tesla that's charging. So it's pr- pretty energy efficient, especially when you consider that it's it's. Millions and millions and millions of transactions have gone through this network, Uh, billions of dollars of value have been transferred in this network. And if you compare that to the energy use of traditional fiat systems or central banks and and, and others, it really is uh, very, uh, very, very elegant and very green in relative terms. That said, of course, we want to be as efficient as possible and as cost conscious as possible, because running these networks, it's better if if it costs less money to run the computers. Right. And so non-archival relays are a tweak to our software. Let me tell you, the, the, the Algorand software, we call it the Algorand node. It's written in a language called Golang, which was produced by Google. So we write it in this high level language by Google called Go. And when you compile that down, it runs on, on a computer. It can run in different forms. And one of the forms that a node can run in uh, hosts the full blockchain. Um, it can also run in a lighter way where it's just processing uh, transactions and it's and it's 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 running the consensus algorithm, which is very efficient. But holding the full blockchain for Algorand is relatively large chain. It's measured in, in terabytes. It's about uh, it's about three terabytes or so. And so, I mean, compared to many other blockchains, this is tiny. I mean. Solana is uh you know hundreds of terabytes. And so this is relatively quite neat, but still three terabytes, it's a lot of disk space. Mm-hmm. On, your, on, on your consumer MacBook, you might have half a terabyte. So this is like six times what you might have in your in your MacBook. Okay. And so this is really expensive if you want to have it in the cloud, because cloud providers they caught they charge a lot of money for fast and large hard disks or, or disks in, in, in the cloud. And so what we're doing with non archival relays is we're saying, hey, uh, some of these nodes, if we have 100 nodes right now that have the full blockchain, it turns out we only need about 20 of them. Okay, And we can, with 20 of them, we can propagate the chain for anyone who starts up a fresh node, and we can do so in, in, in an efficient way. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what this means is that we have less relays, less reliance on relays. And and those relays that hold the full copy of the chain are now much reduced. Now anyone anywhere is free to download a full copy of the chain. It's public record. It's it's no problem. But from a from an infrastructural point of view, this makes it uh, leaner, greener, and cheaper. Uh, essentially, to run. Right. Again, a lot of the things that are happening there are, are pretty damn exciting.
0: So this is you know another one of those components. The last two that we're going to talk about here, you know. We've been talking a little bit about this on the show the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the role that you know potentially liquid restaking has. So Algorand is also now changing the behavior to reward block producers. The impact of incentivizing consensus is that it will drive a surge in the amount of algo being staked and increase the number of consensus nodes in the network, thereby increasing the network security and decentralization. Again, one of the things there is that, again, as John alluded to, you have, you know, obviously nodes around the world and you want to work on security. You want to make sure that everyone is, you know, kind of sharing that security. Um, and that's a part of this. And so I would love to get your sentiment on this. As I said, you know, this idea of staking to the networks and you know, obviously to have that shared security component to that is something that we've seen, obviously, with the more the move to proof of stake. Obviously, Ethereum did that. You know, Algorand has obviously been part of that for a while. And so... There is a new trend happening now, whereas you were staking to those networks, but you also want to be able to use the asset, the digital asset that you are now staking and you want to use in other places. And so there's the idea of liquid restaking. So I would love to hear your thoughts about, you know, the change in behavior that you've obviously outlined, but also in terms of how it affects or what you think it will do in terms of liquid restaking.
1: Yeah. So this is a gargantuan change to Algorand in in many ways, from an engineering point of view, from a philosophical point of view, from a ethical point of view. And so Silvio's original tenet or posit was that we wouldn't have to pay or the network wouldn't have to pay people to secure it. And so on Bitcoin, people will know on the Bitcoin uh, layer one. The mining process is rewarded. People, they they mine in the hope that they will receive Bitcoin from the network for mining. It's very similar on Cardano. You stake in the hope that you receive more ADA or more Cardano for, for that action. Same on Ethereum. Completely orthogonal to the rest of the industry, Algorand did not have any reward for, for, for the act of securing the network or mining transactions or validating transactions. And so this is uh, you know, I was I was really surprised when I heard it first. And Silvio's original vision was that altruistically, folks that hold ALGO would, would want to run one of these nodes to secure their own funds, to guard their own wealth. And whilst I think that that is true in theory, um, empirically, we haven't seen the, the uptake that 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 we would like to see. And so I think Sure, if you have millions of dollars in, in in a token, maybe you will do this. But if you've got $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 in a token, $5,000, $2,000 in a token, those folks are, are not running computers 24-7 to secure the network by staking their algo. And so we need to encourage that because otherwise it ends up just being a handful of big players that, that secure the network and you never really have security proper decentralization security. And so this is a tectonic shift. We, so we've just put out a paper, I co-authored a paper, um, that describes our thinking around this, why we're doing it. it basically, just says what I just said in, in more words, and then and then it, it talks through how we we will do it technically and what it will look like and what the payout will look like. How you know over time we're not going to have a linear payout. It's gonna like it's gonna start off high and then slowly drop off and blah blah blah. And so it goes through all these different different things. It also at the end of the paper it talks about well, you know, when you bring money into things, all of a sudden you got people they try to game the system. Like well, how can I do this and get this money without doing much work? And, and so it looks at those different angles. But it is a huge paradigm shift uh, for Algorand, and I think it's critical. I think it's, it's, it's going to, I think, be maybe uh, one of the most important technical changes we, we make to the network uh, in this decade. And so why? One, it will encourage the individual, the average person, the normal person who has a, a nominal amount of Algo, a reasonable amount of Algo, to get out there and support the network. And so the network will become, by definition, More secure. More people will run nodes. It'll be more decentralized. There'll be more pathways. So the the path for data propagation, the ones and zeros between all the nodes, there'll be more paths for that. It'll be like a spider web uh, of density of, of of those paths. And the network will, by definition, be more secure because more algo will be being staked protecting it. And so this will increase the decentralization, increase the security, and increase the responsibility of supporting the network With the individual. And so I I think it's just a critical thing. And then it dovetails perfectly into peer-to-peer, which is a new change we're bringing to the network topology uh, of Algorand, and peer-to-peer, of course, this idea that you send data uh, between nodes directly rather than through relays. And the more nodes you have that are now there because they're being incentivized, um, the more pathways you have for that peer-to-peer data propagation. right. As I said, folks, there is a lot here and John is incredibly
0: busy, obviously changing the so much of Albrand. So we've touched on a lot of big changes here. Again, we're gonna make sure that everyone is aware of those changes. We'll obviously document them. We'll make sure that everyone has links to that. I would you normally ask our guests what's going to happen in the next six to twelve months, but I think you gave us pretty much everything. <laughs> um, I still hold you to that bet though. We'll we'll check in obviously on the developer count with that huge change to Python. I think that is massively important, as I said again, to the developer community. But again, John, thank you so much for being on the show. So much that you've done and looking forward to seeing how it affects Ogren in 2024 and beyond.
1: Hey, listen, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to get the message out. And I think that it, it, that, that is our, our biggest problem now, just making people aware of all this cool stuff we're doing. And I hope this uh, I hope I hope this work is recognized and, and uh, we see the adoption of, of what I think is a great technology.
0: Thanks for listening in to Layer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage, and let's talk there, or also you can find me on LinkedIn, and I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.